So please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And today as we celebrate uh, the Advent season, the coming of Christ, the good news and the joy uh, to the world that Christ has come, Maybe, maybe you're like me. I mean, I, I didn't know what Advent was. Actually, when Dave first asked me, uh, we, were, we were mapping out the schedule uh, of teaching, and, uh, and I saw, you know, on the date, you know, you, you look down the, the list to see where your name falls, and, uh, and so there it was, December 18th, and it said, Advent Teaching, Tarek. And I was like, I was almost embarrassed. I was like, Dave, what's an Advent teaching? And he's like, oh man, it's glorious, it's great. You get to talk about Christ and the coming and the arrival of Christ and everything because I didn't grow up uh, having a church background. So this um, Advent is not a, uh, it's nothing new. It's not a reality tradition. It's actually one of the oldest traditions in the church. Um, But the Advent wasn't a part of my vocabulary even after I became a Christian and following Christ. So I learned about the Advent this week as I was studying um, because my, I grew up, like I said, in a, in a non-Christian home. My parents are from Egypt, and I, uh, so I grew up in a culturally Muslim home, and, uh, but I'm also a first-generation American. So, so Christmas to me was all about getting things and getting gifts, but I don't think that you can truly be thankful for uh, for, for what you have when everything that you're looking forward to is what you're going to get. And so Christmas for me was usually a disappointment. Not because I didn't get things, but because I was missing out on the meaning of what Christmas really, really was. That, that the arrival of this good news that Christ was born unto us and, and what that meant in my world. And so that's the tricky thing about this season, because, because this season is about getting things, but it's not necessarily about getting the things that we expect, because we live in a world that's misguided, where, where our hope can be misplaced on things like, like relationships and jobs and presents But as we're going to see here, the first Christmas was about something that God gave us that is much, much greater than all these things. So today what I want to do is reflect on Advent uh, and and see this joy that has come for us, this joy that that is coming and working through us, and and then joyfully respond. So we'll pick up the narrative in in verse 8. I'll I'll go ahead and read from verse 1 through 20 and then pray. So Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. 
And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory be to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom, with he, whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all, up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, I pray that, that as we look at this story that we know so, so very well, God, that, that you would put wonder in our hearts, just as you did uh, put the wonder in the hearts of the shepherds, that we would be so amazed, like Mary, that, that we couldn't even have words to speak, and yet we, we would just ponder it in our heart. And Jesus, I pray for those who are experiencing personal moments of, of darkness right now, and, and I pray that they would see that even in the darkness, that it's not a darkness that you don't already know about because you are a God that has come down from heaven to be with us, to be among us. And yet we thank you, Jesus, that you have such great sympathies towards us because you have already been through the trials and, and the testing. So I pray for those who need the grace and wisdom to trust and rely on you today, this morning. Not, not seeing clearly, Lord, that I pray that they, would, that they would trust and know that you are there with them. And so I pray this morning that you would come and, and be, God, be God with us and be God for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you would teach us your word and help us reflect together on the birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So as I was studying and reflecting on, on uh, this Christmas story in, in Luke, I came across one commentary that actually called Luke's gospel a singing gospel. A singing gospel. And it's a singing gospel because of the four songs that we find in Luke chapters 1 and 2. They're unique to Luke's gospel and, and are recognized by many as, as, uh, as famous hymns in the Christian faith. So we have Mary's Magnificat in, in, in chapter 1, Zechariah's uh, Benedictus in the latter part of chapter 1, Simeon's Nunc Dimittis, and, and then the Gloria, this, this 
choir, this chorus of angels that comes and sings. And I'll, I'll spare, I, I just, every time I hear that, the glory, I just want to break out in this praise, but I'm going to spare, spare you guys that this morning. So it's common for the characters in Luke to actually uh, respond to God's blessings by, uh, by glorifying or praising him. The book begins and ends with rejoicing. In fact, uh, the verb rejoice appears more in Luke's gospel than in any other New Testament narrative. So my desire today is that we would, we would also start and begin with rejoicing and hopefully we'll also end rejoicing. So read with me beginning uh, in, in verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. But wait a minute, Pastor. You said that we were going to start with rejoicing, and here we have fear. You see, angels are given the task of announcing the Messiah, the announcing of the coming Savior of the world, a prelude to that song, that angelic choir, the Gloria. And all the while, the shepherds are just minding their own business it's just an ordinary night, but, but imagine with me for a moment, imagine what it must have been like for the angels. The angels, that knowing that God was going to be born as a child, that, that the time had finally come. The Messiah, the one that they'd been worshiping from, they, they were worshiping the Messiah from the beginning, and now, how do you think that the angels sounded announcing the most important thing that has ever happened in the history of the world? Or how about the lucky angel that actually got to tell the shepherds? I mean, if I were an angel, I would definitely have lost my angel status because when I know something that's gonna happen, I just spoil the moment for everybody. I would have ruined the entire thing. I would have been like, Jesus, come unto you this day, born. Uh, and then they'd be like, get out. But I think the idea here is that when you encounter something uh, uh, that, that's, that's supernatural or that, that is so unusual, that the natural response is confusion and fear, just like the shepherds. So and the interesting thing here is that notice that every time, every single time, the angels always respond the exact same, uh, with the exact same saying every single time. The statement is this. Fear not. Fear not. We, we see it time and time again, every single interaction. Angel shows up on the scene, human beings get on their face, and they are trembling in fear. And the angel's always like, hey, get up. I, you don't worship me. Like, get up. Fear not. So what I want to suggest to you is this. I want to suggest to you that everything about Christianity or everything that Christianity is about and everything that the Bible is about is about this statement. Fear not. Behold the gospel of joy. The angels told the shepherds, do not be afraid. This message has come to a frightened world. And like the shepherds, we are frightened people. We're perplexed and we're anxious and we're afraid of many things. We're afraid of people. 
We're afraid of other nations. We're afraid of, uh, of, of races and religious groups. Uh, we're afraid for, for uh, the sake of our lives and of our jobs and our status, our position, and even our health. And it's at this point that, that the Christmas story brings good news of great joy. Because fear comes from not beholding the gospel of joy. So friends, if you're here today and you're afraid, it means that you're not beholding. Now, what, what, does, what, does, what does God tell us? God tells us this. He says, fear not, for I am with you. I will help you. I will hold you in my hand. I will sustain you. Don't be anxious about your life, about what you wear, about what you're, where you're going to live, about all of these other things. Don't be anxious about that. Cast all of your cares upon me, for he cares for you. For if I'm with you, you know, whom shall I fear? That's what David said. If, if my God is with me, then whom shall I fear? And so we see a multitude of angels show up saying, fear not, on the scene bursting forth with this song, the Gloria, much to the delight of the Father. And that alone is great joy for us. The good news is great joy for us because God has come to make himself known and, and, and make himself seen to mankind. God wants to make himself known to you. And we see this in the Old Testament, beginning with, with Adam. God came and, and would walk with Adam day after day because he wanted to be with him. He wanted to make himself known. And with Abraham, he came in, to him in a word, and he gave him a vision, and he said, Abraham, or Abram, as he was before he was given his new name. He said, look to the stars, and if you can count them, if you can count them, I'll tell you, that's how many your offspring is going to be. And, and with Moses, he, he, uh, Moses leads the, the, uh, the, the people, God's chosen ones, by a cloud, by a pillar of cloud. So he comes down. And, and even with, with the, the ark, the covenant, God would come and dwell inside that covenant. It blows my mind to think that God, I mean, if I was like, wait, God lives in a box, but he's bigger than a box, and it's just the ark. Or, or even the temple, in the holy of holies, God comes and fills the temple to be with his people. You see, the story of the Bible over and over is God saying, I come down to you. I, I humble myself, and I come down to you. It's not you being religious and, and, and you coming up. The, I mean, the message of Christmas is not just some watered-down, wishful thinking, I hope that there's, uh, you know, I'm just going to hang on until there's light at the end of the tunnel. Because, I mean, you can get that on a Hallmark card, for that matter. So, so the hope of Christ has to be something greater than that. And then uh, we, we see the same thing in the, in the New Testament Gospels. We have the pinnacle event of joy being born into human history for us. The inbreaking of God into humanity. Jesus comes born of a woman, Mary. 
He comes humbly. He comes humbly, not in, not in prestige with pomp and announcement, but he comes into history humbly in a manger. Not in a palace, but in a lowly manger, in a feeding trough. He comes as our savior, and, and he just doesn't come for, for Israel. He doesn't come for just a few, a few more than Israel, but he comes for all people. He comes as our savior for all people. And at the end of verse 10, we see that. Fear not, for behold, I, b- I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, I mean, I love how inviting and welcoming the Bible is of God's story of redemption to all people groups, to every single person. We see it with the religious, with the non-religious. We see it here with, within the Gospels with ceremonially unclean Jewish shepherds, with, with marginalized men and women and children, the, the most notorious sinners, the, the disenfranchised poor or, or just the, the, the disconnected rich, despised foreigners, Samaritans, all types of foreigners, members of, household, of Herod's household, and even the entire Roman army, lepers and losers of every kind and variety, prodigal sons and daughters of the unrighteous and self-righteous varieties, the deceived, the demonized, you fill in the blank. I mean, and, and, and I'm left with this. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I, I was that. So my question to you is, where are you? Where do you fit in to this cast of characters? And so we see that the good news of great joy comes for you, it comes for me, it comes for all people. And next, we are told that Jesus is born and the angels give the shepherds a sign. As if that wasn't enough. Just bam. This angel shows up and now with the heavenly host. And then this is what they tell him. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, I think that the shepherds in Luke 2 symbolize all of the ordinary people who have joyfully received the gospel. Because they listened and they obeyed. They saw and then they responded. And so, so they actually now get to be a part of the story. And, and if you're a follower of Christ here today, you know that you, you understand this and you get this because your story is a part of a bigger story of what God is doing through you. It, it determines how you live and how you make sense of the world. And and if you're not a Christian and you're here, God is, is inviting you into his story. He wants to use you. He wants to go through you and change the way that you view the world. Because he wants to work this good news of great joy through us. He wants to work this through us. Now notice how God speaks to the shepherds. 
In verse 17, we're told that the shepherds, that almost everybody hears of the good news from the shepherds because they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. It says the shepherds went and told everyone. God's good news of great joy is brought through the shepherds. And this is the way that most people got the message of good news in the first place, by ordinary people. So the shepherds have become, you know, in various ways, shepherds of men and women just like you and I. Now, I mean, I know that I want God to speak to me in radical ways through angels, and, um, and I, I often expect God to send me a scroll or something in the mail because I think in part it's because of reading all of these Old Testament stories about, about you know, Abraham and this burning bush. And, um, and so I get it almost like when I hear even many of you talking about how God is leading you and guiding you and, and, um, and how God speaks to you. I'm at times, I find myself, I'm like, well, wait a minute, I, I want to be spoken to like that. I want direction like that. And, but, but often, it's, it's, it's just through a shepherd. It's through somebody that we know. And in the Old Testament, you know, again, we see over and over God giving visions and spectacles and things, but again, most of us just end up with shepherds. And in the, in the New Testament, we see the same thing again. God's good news of great joy comes through a woman, Mary. Actually, not even a woman, just a, a young, teenage, unwed girl. And this blows me away, because not only does God, who created mankind, limit himself to a human being, but then he actually comes through Mary, because he wanted to use Mary. So God's good news of great joy comes through us. And, and we see another uh, example of this, in even with the disciples. After Jesus is, uh, is uh, crucified and buried and rises again, he spends 40 days with the disciples. He spends 40 days so that they could witness and see the grandeur, that they could come and, and stick their fingers in his side and put the, their fingers in the, in the nail prints of his hand, and so they, that he gives them great vision and hope to be sure about these things, to be absolutely sure. sure. So they get glory and they get vision. But, but then what happens? Jesus leaves, and, and all what we're left with are the disciples. We're left with a bunch of ragtag, just, uh, you know, th- these guys just took off at, at Jesus' biggest time of need, and that's what we're left with. Deniers, forsakers. So you see, most of us get a shepherd. Usually it's somebody that we hear the good news from, but God wants to work through us. He wants he, he just, he loves us and he wants to invite us in to his story. He wants to use you. And I think that we often forget how radical this is, how absolutely life-changing that this 
this event, this world history changing event is. The coming of a king and he's come to rule the world. So what I want to leave you with here today in closing in hearing the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ, here's what the angels do. In, in hearing and seeing the birth of Jesus, the angels show up with a tremendous joyful response. Suddenly, out of nowhere, those who dwell eternally in the presence of God sing of his goodness and grace. And they celebrate. I mean, the angels are tripping out because they see God at work. They know, and they, they, they know him and they see him and they see how they operate. So they're going to worship God just because he's so great. Because who would have thought of a plan like this to redeem mankind? And that's the angels. That's what they do. They worship. But notice what Mary does. Mary ponders these things in her heart. So some of you are more contemplative worshipers because we've all been created to worship and we're to worship God. Now, Mary sang previously in a book, you know, with Mary's song in, in, the, in the first chapter. But right now, she's just overwhelmed. Like, it actually dawns on her for the first time that the savior of the world is inside of her, the rescuer, the hero, the deliverer, the kingdom deliverer is inside her, is in her presence. She's thinking it's my son, my son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God here with us. He's here to be with us and to save us. And she's pondering all of this in her heart. It's like maybe, maybe it's like some of you here hearing this today. And, and it's just mind-bending. I, as I was preparing I, I thought, and studying for this, I said, what words could possibly do this any justice? I felt like um, I thought of a, a Charlie Bound Christmas. Like these untrained child actors just sharing the truth. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. But it, it's heart-wrenching. It's history-altering what is taking place. It's something that, that, that maybe some of you need to just think about for the rest of the decade. But notice here now what the shepherds do. The shepherds, they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So they're not, they're not as contemplative at the, you know, at the moment. They, they sing, they celebrate, there's gladness and there's joy because, because the Savior is here, sin is forgiven, the kingdom is done and the king has arrived. The Savior, the Christ, the Lord has come. And the response is pondering in your heart, either you, you ponder it in your heart or you, you, you have a more active response and you just sing and praise, maybe like the shepherds or maybe even like the angels. Pray with me. Father, I pray now that by the power of your Holy Spirit,
that we would be able to catch a glimpse and, and, a, and, and just to be able to ponder for a moment these things in our heart like Mary did. And Lord, that, that we would consider them deeply, that we would feel them, that we would experience them, that, that we would enjoy them and consider them, ponder them, meditate on them. Lord, that we would have and find our delight in those things, in what you have done, that we would savor them. And God, that we would believe them. And God, I pray that, that we would sing like the angels now. And the shepherds now, that, that, that we would open our mouths and out of our mouth would come what you have deposited in our hearts with gladness and joy because we have good news of great joy for us and all of the people. God, I pray that for those that are really hurting and struggling right now, Lord, I pray that they would see that the good news is in Jesus. Amen.